The persistent disarray of global supply chains during and after COVID-19 exposed the crying need for automation at ports. Antiquated labor-intensive methods have no place in a world where ships disgorge towering stacks of containers that choke terminals. Private privacy network has raised hopes about the possibility of factory-like automation to relieve congestion at seaports. But do port authorities see a business case and have a plan, the know-how and the resources needed to implement private networks? Let's find out. Hi guys, this is your host Ashish Jain and you're listening to the Alignment Podcast where we go beyond the buzzwords and connect the dots between technology and its business impact in a thought-provoking way. Today I'm so very excited to welcome Ori Marom, Director of Smart Mobility and 5G at the Port of Rotterdam, the largest seaport in Europe. He's an automation and big data analytics guru and responsible for all autonomous vehicle projects. Ori also leads the effort to design and execute a plan to implement port-wide private 5G network, data center and edge cloud at Rotterdam Port Authority. A new terminal at the port, the Rotterdam World Gateway, which began construction in 2015, implemented private LTE network and coped with the COVID crunch with a minimal staff of 15 handling 2 million containers in a year. Ori has taken up the challenge of extending private wireless connectivity to other terminals. My goal today is to uncover special challenges and considerations port authorities encounter when they implement 5G network-aided automation with terminal ownership spread across several companies. So without further ado, let me welcome Ori Marom. Ori, it's a pleasure to speak with you today. It's a true pleasure to speak with you also, Ashish, and thank you very much for the kind uh, and generous introduction. Great. No, I, I enjoyed our conversation when we had it last time and I felt, you know, this this absolutely needs to be captured. So uh, tell us a little bit about yourself, your background and some interesting facts about the Port of, uh, Port of Rotterdam. Okay. So my name is Ori Marom. I'm coming originally from Israel. I was um, educated in the United States, uh, first at the University of Michigan Ann Arbor, and then I did a PhD at the University of Rochester in Rochester, New York, uh, about information systems economics. So that's my academic background. And I started out at the port uh, after teaching at a local university uh, in the Netherlands. I started out at the port as uh, the person who was uh, in charge uh, and tasked with um, building uh, an artificial intelligence uh, task force. Um, Software development is not new for the port of Rotterdam. Uh, but the uh, artificial intelligence as, as a port authority is. So um, uh, we built a group around the AI and machine learning, and that evolved very quickly into uh, other por- um, areas of uh, interest to us and, and significance for the port. And indeed, the uh, 5G and uh, automation are at the forefront of what we care about, what, what keeps us busy. Uh, about the port itself, uh, as, as you mentioned, uh, the port of Rotterdam is a... Uh, not only the, the biggest port in Europe, uh, but also uh, um, the most modern. We got uh, uh, several years in a row uh, from the World Economic Forum uh, uh, the award for the best uh, infrastructure as a port uh, four years in a row. And uh, we, we take a lot of pride in our uh, modernization and not only uh, in our size, but, but the two indeed have, uh, have something to do with each other. We can... Uh, afford to invest in, in forward-looking technologies like 5G uh, and, and autonomous transport, uh, autonomous uh, ships, trucks, uh, now even drones, uh, perhaps ahead of, uh, of uh, smaller ports. 
So we do that, and, and today, of course, I'm uh, happy to uh, focus with you on, uh, on 5G, but I should mention that my primary responsibility uh, is for, for the modernization of, of the port, um, uh, and, and 5G is only a tool that allows us to do it. It's not a goal in itself. Absolutely. No, that's, uh, that's very well said. So I know you're a big proponent of autonomous vehicles and all this modernization, um, hence the role, of course. Can you share how you're using them today and what are your plans in the future? And associated with that, what challenges do you see or face in operationalizing them based on current technologies that are out there? Yeah, thank you for this question. It's a, a long tradition of the port that we do use uh, autonomous vehicles. So when, when uh, in the popular press, uh, when, when uh, we refer to self-driving machines, uh, and modern uh, robot taxis, for example, it looks like something uh, that is radical and very new, and it is uh, at le that level. But uh, we have uh, self-driving trucks at the port uh, since 1992, and uh, uh, they are driving uh, inside the uh, gated areas. But they are uh, uh, indeed uh, self-driving machines. Uh, so they, th those are called the AGVs or uh, automated guided vehicles, and they are used to haul um, uh, containers between uh, port locations. And uh, uh, we want to extend uh, th this this kind of automation to the roadside of, of the same terminals, so that uh, instead of using a machine inside a, a container terminal, we want to use a machine between two container terminals, and this is a new problem because then we have to uh, go through uh, the, the public domain, and there we have to deal with with things that we didn't uh, uh, do before, like uh, pedestrians and then the um, cars and, and the driving public. So that that's something that we want to do, and indeed we are uh, uh, on our way to do it. Awesome. So, how did you stumble upon? And I will use this word stumble upon five G, or I should say, fell in the trap of private five G. And um, and the thought of having a private network at the port, what what drove your interest in it? Yeah, so uh, we, as I said, it's a tool. It's it's a, it's a means to an end, and the end uh, is of course to uh, run advanced uh, systems like uh, autonomous trucks in a safe manner. So, uh, well, two attractive features about the five G network is that uh, first of all it has a very high uh, uh, volume that you can uh, channel so you can uh, share for example uh, sensor data and some sensors are very greedy in the, in the amount of data that they would uh, require in order to, to transmit uh, their signal like uh, lidars uh, but uh, more importantly uh, the 5g is a technology that allows us to um, uh, conduct very efficiently very fast and uh, low latency communications so it can do um, uh, the same things that uh, very high-grade uh, Wi-Fi do, but with much fewer cells. And when you are uh, passing between two cells with an autonomous vehicles, you have, um, uh, in fact, a higher risk of a loss of co connectivity. So 5G is, is uh, actually the only mode. We, we used to think that Wi-Fi is an alternative, but uh, we, we shift away from this view. We think that 5G is, is just a precondition to running um, safe uh, automated systems in a port area. So you mentioned that you've been using AGVs you know, since 1990s. Were they dependent on any network, wireless network to operate, like Wi-Fi or LTE before, and, uh, and you felt limitation, or they were not at all dependent on any kind of networks and they were self-contained within a terminal? 
Yeah, so they uh, they had the uh, different generations. The the first uh, generation uh, just uh, depended on Wi-Fi. So uh, Wi-Fi is not a, a totally new uh, invention, and uh, also they uh, depend on a, a built-in infrastructure. So they communicate. Uh, uh, also through local uh, transponders that uh, are not efficient anymore. So um, uh, they localize themselves, not uh, autonomously, but they are told by uh, by the infrastructure where they are, which used to be a, a, a terrific solution in the 90s, but not so uh, anymore now because it allows for very inflexible pro programming of, of those systems. So it's very difficult to change the procedures and, and the, the processes that uh, those AGVs are uh, uh, used within. Uh, today, we want them uh, to uh, to act completely differently. So we want them to uh, not to rely like a, a robot taxi. Um, it's, a, it's a point of fault if they would rely on infrastructure and then there would be a human being there, there is a higher chance of an accident. And indeed, uh, we must uh, remark and I must uh, uh, say that there are no people allowed in an area where AGVs are working. So it's a very, uh, very much a legacy system uh, that we want to shift out of. So we think that the autonomous trucks that are just the same trucks that would drive in a city or around the other areas uh, in the country are more efficient uh, because they are built uh, in, a, in advance and from the design stage to operate flexibly. So uh, we want to um, uh, to see them uh, implemented now, and that that would indeed uh, require today's uh, LTE networks because five G is not completely available to uh, all the players or or, or, or preferred. But uh, that's that's the the end of it. We think that there is uh, the shift from four G to five G is very um, uh, strong, and and um, and the need is is very evident. So so again, I would say only five G. Uh, is relevant here and, and later on 6G also. But 5G is good enough. That's good. That's good to know. Now, you explained it to me last time that, you know, you are a port authority and you don't really control what activities are happening at an individual terminals and the individual terminal uh, operators have their own responsibility. You know, a lot of automation happens there. But at the same time, a lot of automation is a responsibility of the Port of Authority. Can you give us some examples of what are some of the automation that the Port Authority is responsible for? And uh, what are the specific use cases that you plan to operationalize using technologies like automation or using 5G and others? Yeah, so, so you gave a good uh, introduction to, to how we operate. We are uh, operating on what's called the landlord port uh, business model, where the port uh, is the host for uh, commercial parties that are competing in the same business with each other. So if you look, uh, for example, at the container sector, there we have in the deep sea container uh, uh, part of the port, we have three main competitors that uh, each of them uh, operates one or two container terminals and they would compete with each other for, for clients or serve different shipping lines, but they are not the same party and of course they are not the port authority. And yet uh, the port authority has all kinds of supervisory uh, uh, duties when it comes to the operations of those parties. So we must, must make sure that the infrastructure, as I said, uh, is up to specs. We also have to make sure that the, the waterborne uh, uh, services um, are delivered uh, to a high standard, again, by, by uh, uh, other parties like uh, tugboat companies, That's just an example. And then we have our own uh, uh, su uh, supervisory uh, role over the, the areas that are not directly leased out to those companies. So a good example of that 
as a response to your question, is a, an area that is called the Container Exchange Route. And this is actually a private fence out road uh, that is lying outside of the actually the, the um, uh, jurisdiction of the European Union. So if you pass uh, a container there, it doesn't have to go through customs. That's part of the efficiency that we are trying to um, um, to realize through uh, operating such a road. So it's a private road. It's not owned by anybody except us, and and it's destined and designated for autonomous operations. Uh, recently, it had a tender for a. Uh, an autonomous uh, transport as a service uh, provider, uh, which is still um, uh, in process. I cannot comment too much about it because it's a sensitive uh, uh, information. But the idea is that we as a port authority would uh, would like to um, uh, at least make sure that the parties that is selected to work there on what is actually our, um, we're talking about the private gated out area, so you can regard it also as a gated out area. Nobody is allowed there especially not the smugglers, but uh, also not the uh, uh, public or uh, mothers with their uh, children on the way to school. So it's a very safe area to start uh, autonomous truck processes. And this is why we think that we have an important role also in the industry um, regarding the automotive industry to uh, provide such safe areas, not only to our users, but also to, to progressive parties like uh, uh, truck makers and um, and the sensor uh, makers and, and uh, other uh, systems like 5Gs uh, to try out their systems uh, outside of city centers, outside of areas where mothers do hang out with their uh, uh, strollers. Uh, we think that uh, this is a, a perfect uh, test ground and test bed uh, for, uh, for new uh, stuff. So this is what we do. That's not the only example. We have also autonomous shipping um, uh, projects and uh, drone projects. But uh, that's just one salient um, example of uh, what we do as a port authority beyond our supervisory powers uh, when it regards our tenants. So we have um, over 3,000 tenants uh, at the port, and we would like to, um, uh, to help them also uh, modernize. Awesome. So as of today, right, all these 3,000 tenants are responsible to bring their own connectivity, I assume if they need to do automation, you know, because automation is happening at a port level where you're providing uh, transportation between terminals or any logistic support, but there is also automation happening within terminals that are that is a responsibility of the tenant themselves, right? Um, if I gather that correctly based on our conversation, and they are, uh, keep me honest here, they are responsible for their own connectivity today. But once... Uh, this effort that you're doing with 5G, does that change that? And, and you, you, you be able to provide that connectivity? How will that work? So we have um, um, indeed independent companies that are free to make their choices. We are not going to dictate to them uh, what kind of connectivity uh, solutions they want to uh, uh, provide or, or use within their, um, um, uh, their own yards. They have done that uh, for 30 years and or more, and we don't uh, have any intentions to change that. What we would like to do is uh, to offer an option uh, as a port-wide 5G uh, um, service. Uh, um, we would like to offer that as, as, a, as an option to what they can um, uh, get themselves. For example, they can get uh, frequencies themselves if they can. And uh, and uh, build up their own private uh, systems like they do today with um, 
pilot uh, 5G systems. You mentioned the World, uh, Rotterdam World Gateway uh, example. That's a great example of uh, an, an advanced organization that, that is uh, independently raising and building up a, a 5G network. We don't want to stop that. That's good. But we, we feel that we need um, uh, to serve all the 3,000 parties and not only the most advanced ones or the richest ones. Uh, we need a port-wide uh, 5G network. And not only because of that reason, uh, but also because we need to facilitate uh, uh, central services like police, uh, firefighting, and uh, our own navigational systems, we anticipate that will require 5G. So we have two very good reasons to offer an option. First of all, because we would like to, this option for ourselves um, to, in order to uh, facilitate policing and, and other uh, things that I mentioned. And uh, the second is that we would like to stay competitive as a port. So uh, we believe that if a port uh, offers a first grade uh, 5G uh, ahead of competing ports, then this port can uh, actually attract uh, new tenants and, and, and grow the business that, that is already um, uh, present at the port. So we believe that if we offer a, a first class 5G communications, we can uh, attract more, uh, uh, for example, more sustainable and efficient businesses and businesses would, would, that would uh, pollute less. So there are many, many reasons to, um, uh, to do that. And we, indeed, we, uh, we are going to do that. We are going to build a port-wide 5G network at the port. Uh, that's, a, that's a great uh, reason or business reason for to definitely consider. And uh, you're absolutely right, right? I mean, there are always organizations that are advanced um, in their thinking of implementing latest technologies and you know, not everyone has the understanding and the know-how of of doing it themselves. And you know, and a, a central organization like yours who is serving those tenants, if they take that responsibility, which is great, right? To be uh, a managed service provider for them, uh, it's a it's a great undertaking in my view. And I think uh, uh, it will set an example for many, not just you know at Porsche, but anywhere. It's a multi-tenant uh, environment. Uh, I mean, we're seeing that at airports, we're seeing that at uh, building owners that has multiple tenants. I mean, a direction where um, the route to offer the connectivity is no longer limited to uh, the traditional, you know, the telecom operators, but the the central entity who provides services to multiple tenants, whether it's a mall, whether it's a, you know, home building, whether it's larger facilities like, like yours, Taking up those responsibility and and providing connectivity services, so that's that's really good to hear. Now, can you share with us I, uh, your journey of you know how you when you started realizing the, the importance of five G and how you went about um, figuring out the building blocks and the Lego blocks of how to piece it all together and get to a point where you were ready for a trial. Yeah, so as I said, um, uh, this is a new a new thing for us. So we, we didn't have all the knowledge uh, to, to assess the problem and, and first to determine if uh, we indeed need to do that. It took us uh, uh, several years to, to decide to go all in, uh, if you will, with, with the 5G uh, initiative. Uh, so it always starts with the, with the question and then, then you get the, the information that you, you think you would need to make a decision in our case. Uh, the, the first uh, point of um, uh, interest and, and uh, inquiry uh, was the makers of uh, 5G infrastructure. Uh, that's uh, uh, Huawei and Nokia 
and Ericsson, and we consulted with, with all of them. We also hired in um, a reputable um, a consulting company that is independent of those uh, uh, commercial parties. And, uh, and we also consulted with our uh, clients. So we, um, uh, through this, this uh, consultancy, we conducted, uh, we mapped the interests and, and the intentions of the clients, and we did it together, of course, uh, with, with uh, not with all the parties at the port because that would be difficult. But but uh, indeed with the, the the front runners that already some of them uh, implemented five G and and with other businesses that were considering uh, implementing five G and and didn't know uh, like us how to do it exactly. So um, uh, it, it was a long process, I, I would say. Uh, hopefully for for other parties that are just joining in, maybe a, a ports that they are only now uh, uh, starting to realize their interest in a private 5G network. It would be uh, easier for us. It was uh, uh, really three years ago. There was not too much information for us to um, to work with. So we had to go to the source. And indeed, I would I would point out the, the, the makers. Uh, I don't know if it's good luck or, or maybe less of, less of a good luck that we have only three of them. Um, that I mentioned, those are the only makers of, uh, of industrial-grade uh, 5G uh, uh, networks, not only private networks, they're also the, the public networks. And so they, they are the go-to source for us when, when we want to know uh, where the world is going and, and, and what we should do. And we did that. What were some of your learnings um, through this process? I think um, especially because you, you mentioned, you know, you reached out to your clients who have implemented it. Uh, you you looked at other businesses, you know, uh, maybe the other port authorities or other similar facilities were implementing 5G. Be out besides just the vendors. Um, uh, I'm sure you must have consulted with the operators as well, the telecom operators. What were some of your you know key learnings uh, from that exercise on you know how to go about it and what were some of the key considerations that you put together to you know as an evaluation criteria for your 5G network? Yeah, so 5G network is very different, as you know, uh, um, than uh, 4G network before, uh, because 5G is, uh, we feel, uh, and it's quite commonplace to, to um, uh, notice that it's a, an industry-grade uh, mobile network. So uh, our uh, telephone, uh, so they can... Uh, they can have delays, they can uh, even cut uh, the service, and we would not uh, be in danger because of that. Not so with uh, industrial machines like uh, an 80-ton uh, autonomous truck that is going uh, uh, maybe 60 miles an hour where it's safe to do it. And so that's, that's a whole uh, new domain. And uh, the question was, the first and foremost, is it possible even for, with 5G to realize uh, such a... A future, and um, I must say up front uh, that, that there is no clear clear answer to that. Um, but the, in my personal opinion, there is a good chance that it would be possible to drive a heavy truck on a public road on a five G network and say that this truck would be uh, safe to drive with all kinds of other precautions. So that's very very important to learn what uh, the, the 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 network can really do. Uh, with very high investment uh, technologies, Huawei only Huawei invested forty six um, billion dollars in their five uh, G technologies before they had a single customer. So when when companies invest so much, 
it's you have to have many caveats as a buyer as to the promises that uh, the system um, uh, can really deliver. We saw it very clearly with autonomous vehicles, where um, um, a lot of money was invested. <laughs> Similarly, forty billion dollars, and uh, and and the promises were far too optimistic. So you must always uh, be careful there, uh, especially if you are a very uh, solid, I would say, even conservative party like a seaport. So first and foremost, we learned what the system can really do. And the best way to learn it for us is to really connect it to the machine that we wanted to test. And we did it. I should have mentioned, uh, as you said, uh, we did consult with the uh, mobile network operators. We have three in the Netherlands. It was a very fruitful, fruitful discussion. Uh, but we also um, uh, piloted the uh, 5G. So uh, we uh, purchased equipment uh, or leased it. And uh, we connected it to uh, some trucks and, and we tried it out to see uh, how it performs. So that was for us a very uh, important learning uh, opportunity to see whether the, the promises of, of the, the, the makers of the, the, the systems and the standards that they are using are really something that we can look at and say, this is something that we can go forward with. It took us a lot of hard work to reach this conclusion. And I'm very happy to say, that we did reach it, and, and we think that it's safe to go ahead, and this is why we uh, we would like to invest in this technology. That's that's awesome. Good to hear that. You know, that's a that's a right uh, right approach. You know, put it to test in the real world, right? Exactly the use case. You know, whether it will support it, and uh, that was one of my questions. Like, I always find out. Uh, you know, based on your five G trial or or test bed. You know, is the value claimed by 5G as a technology and by the industry overall? Did you find it real or did you find it a myth? Um, and and has it still has gaps. So I think what I'm hearing from you is, you know, you did find that it does bring value and, um, and it was able to support the use cases that you intend to, uh, that was intended. Yeah, I think that would be an understatement, Ashish. I think it's an amazing technology. We are very excited about it. Awesome. Even better. <laughs> Even better. <yeah. laughs> so um, one question I always, you know, try to gauge or what, you know, from people is, you know, no matter, I think the technology is great. It's awesome. It brings a lot of value. Uh, but for it to become real, uh, in live deployments, a lot of things have to happen around it, right? The whole ecosystem and all that. Um, so where, uh, I use the term misalignment or alignment gaps, and where do you see those alignment gaps still out there? Whether it's, you know, in the maturity of the technology, whether it's in the maturity of the system integrators who have to implement it, whether it's in the processes or the readiness of the equipment vendors, or in, the support from the government uh, to make it real for individual enterprises to, uh, you know, implement private networks. Where do you see, or, or anything else, where do you see these gaps still exist for you to, you know, go ahead and say, I love this technology and uh, we are, we are going to go all in and implement it? Uh, yeah, so, so with most uh, radical technologies, you have to, uh, there, there is a leap of faith when you are uh, starting the, 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 um, the process of, of uh, diffusion, of, of offering this, uh, this technology to real people. Now, you could say that the same thing about the PC, about the internet. 
uh, about the tablet computer. There was not an immediate uh, demand from, from people, from clients, from businesses to any of those technologies. And yet there were believers um, uh, that uh, said this is a great idea and, uh, and the market will come. I think that, that, that it's a similar situation with 5G where it, it offers immense opportunities that uh, relatively few people uh, still now uh, see. Uh, but the, the, there is a confidence that the, that the value that is going to be created uh, would be irresistible, like your uh, smartphone, that, that uh, everybody will come in. I absolutely believe that this is the case, but the gap is definitely the knowledge uh, that uh, I didn't know that I needed a, a smartphone. I was quite sure that I didn't, but somebody else knew that I needed a smartphone. So that's a good thing. I think that it's, uh, it, it also holds for uh, 5G. We, we see... Uh, uh, great possibilities for Industry 4.0 connected uh, wireless uh, um, environments uh, that are much safer, uh, much cleaner, just because we can connect uh, machines to each other uh, with low latency, high volume uh, uh, connectivity and, uh, and bandwidth. Uh, but that's still to come. The user is not there yet, but that's fine. That's, that's always the case with such technologies. So we know that and uh, we have the faith in the technology. So we don't mind so much this gap. Of course, we see many uh, problems with the uh, implementation. It's, it, it's in, in its infancy, the technology. Uh, so, uh, uh, for example, there is no standard for how you um, um, allocate the capacity of a 5G network. We mentioned that we have 3,000 um, um, businesses at the port that each one of them wants to have a private and secure connection to, to the a central network. So then we would like to use um, uh, all kinds of technologies like network slicing. But there uh, we see a lot of um, uncertainties about feasibility. We don't know uh, if we can really do that. Uh, but, but also there we believe that uh, while it's not ready yet, um, it, it will come. So uh, there, there is still a lot to learn. Um, but the potential is so great that we believe that uh, those gra gaps will be uh, indeed uh, dealt with successfully later on. Absolutely. Do you see uh, Spectrum as a challenge? I know uh, every country has, they're doing something or the other to make the Spectrum available to enterprises to implement private networks. Uh, in US, for example, they launched CBRS as a shared Spectrum initiative and now you know, more and more mid-band Spectrum has been allocated for these purposes. Um, do you see spectrum as you know do you have sufficient spectrum to go ahead and implement that or is spectrum continues to be a, a bit of a, a a gap um in in realizing the the dreams of private networks yeah with spectrum it's it's really true that different countries are in different places uh, so we we think that the the united states is quite successful at the allocating spectrum to uh, different kind of users uh, including industry I cannot immediately say the same about the Netherlands. So this is actually something that we are discussing with the government. Uh, in our opinion, and this is uh, the official op opinion of the port, there is uh, an undue uh, um, allocation and, and, and attention to the needs of uh, consumer markets. Uh, and that must come at the expense of industry. Um, because, just because, as you mentioned, that there is a limited capacity. Uh, to uh, to the relevant uh, spectrum, and the relevant spectrum is, is what's called the N77 band. It's the band between 3.4 uh, gigahertz and uh, and 4.2 gigahertz. But in the Netherlands, it's really um, uh, 3.4 to 3.8, which is really limited. 
So um, uh, we think that uh, the allocation uh, should uh, should be uh, better planned, and this is going to um, to happen in uh, in April uh, next year, where when the government is going to allocate uh, uh, the spectrum to an auction, the N seventy eight spectrum, which is the three point four to three point eight gigahertz. I'm sorry that I'm getting too technical, maybe for some oh, no, absolutely. listeners. But but this is since you asked, I have to be specific. So that I don't make, uh, uh, since I'm uh, uh, sounding a little bit of a criticism of our own uh, government policies, I want to be uh, very exact as to what I'm talking about. Uh, so we, um, uh, together with other industry players like like Schiphol Airport, the Port of Amsterdam, and uh, and as uh, the association of uh, a large British, uh, a, a large uh, telecom uh, users, uh, BTG in the Netherlands. Uh, we are uh, uh, disputing the the policy of the government, and we have every confidence that uh, that this uh, situation would be um, um, dealt with uh, successfully to the benefit of all. Because every country does need the thriving consumer markets, but also uh, thriving industries. Uh, in Germany, uh, I must uh, say that, uh, that that this problem uh, was uh, successfully solved. Solved. Uh, where uh, both uh, the, the telecom uh, uh, MNOs, mobile network operators, that are uh, basically um, geared, uh, as we see it, they, they would uh, beg to differ, geared towards consumer markets. Uh, they got a fair allocation and, um, and, and also the industry got a, a very adequate allocation of, uh, of bandwidth. Also the United Kingdom uh, is in a similar situation to Germany. So we, we look up to other countries. Um, uh, unfortunately, we are not satisfied uh, with the situation in the Netherlands, but uh, uh, we are also optimistic that it's, this is going to be resolved. The, the, you hit the nail on the head that we can have all kinds of plans and visions, but at the end, we need the frequencies. And if we don't have the frequencies, that, then we cannot uh, do anything uh, about it. Uh, and, I, and I applaud your effort here, uh, Ori, and the, for the and, and bringing the industry players together to get this thing going. And absolutely, it's it's, it's the forward-looking players like yourself, and definitely, you know, it's a, it's again a proof point of those four years of continuous of what you've been getting in the most more modern and most uh, advanced uh, port infrastructure to be forward-looking and thinking and taking chances with new technology. And, and, and we definitely need, uh, you know, those initiatives uh, to bring any new technology to market. So uh, we're right about the time, uh, and this is going to be my last question, Uri. Any final word of wisdom you would like to give to other, you know, enterprise leaders on their journey to plan and implement private networks? Yeah, I think uh, they should thread carefully. It's uh, still expensive to do it. And so um, it has to start with a good use case. So if you have a very good use case, like uh, if you have uh, very high ambitions in the area, I would, I would name our example of uh, autonomous vehicles and their uh, safe operations, then consider investing a lot in connectivity because it would pay off and it would actually um, uh, make the vision uh, more uh, realizable uh, and real. But for other players, they have to uh, look very carefully as to what they would really um, uh, like to do with it. Uh, it's like anything new and shiny, people want it, but uh, sometimes <laughs> they want it uh, for the wrong reason. So um, I would say if you're, you, if you're not 
do not plan to use it heavily or uh, it's not a vital part of your strategy. There are too many uncertainties for you now and, and maybe it's, 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 it will be wise for you to wait. Great advice. Great piece of advice, Hori. And, and, and once again, thank you for all the uh, you know, insights and sharing your journey. I really appreciate it. Thank you, Ashish. It's been um, an honor for me to um, um, be invited and, and I found your questions all very intriguing. So um, um, I'm very happy to, uh, to share this uh, half an hour with you. Thank you. Thanks once again. Bye. Bye-bye. Great discussion, Ori. Thanks for sharing your journey to implement a private 5G network for autonomous trucks. It is very encouraging to hear that your experience with 5G technology has met and exceeded the expectations. Your advice to enterprise leaders is spot on. We look forward to seeing more innovations from the Port of Rotterdam. Once again, it has been a pleasure having you on the show. Thanks everyone for listening. Please subscribe to the Alignment Podcast on your favorite platform. We hope you will continue the conversation by asking questions and sharing your thoughts on the real-world deployments of private networks. If you would like to share your experiences, please feel free to reach out to me at ashish.jain at kairospulse.com or drop me a note on my LinkedIn. Till next time, stay safe and get vaccinated.